close your eyes for a moment and imagine being blind. Now imagine being born blind, never have seen a flower in full bloom, never stood on a beach to see the sun rising, never seen a loved one's face. Imagine that. Now some people lose their sight. Uh, they could see, but they can see no longer, and this is hard enough. But imagine if you'd never seen at all. Let's keep imagining. Imagine if you were born blind and then your eyes were opened and you could see for the first time. Wouldn't that be amazing? In your darkness, you had felt the soft touch of flowers and had an idea of their shape and their form, but nothing could prepare you for the boldness and the depth of colour. You were no stranger to the warmth of the sun on your face, but now you are blown away by the shifting shades of orange as the sun rises in the horizon. And with joy in the past, you'd often run your fingers over the contours of a loved one's face. But now the colour of their eyes and the beauty of their face is beyond words. You know, we're going to catch a glimpse of this in a video that I'm about to show you. Now, in this video, it's not about someone seeing for the first time, but someone seeing colour for the first time. We're about to share it in the delight as a colourblind lad sees true colour for the first time. And he does this by some special glasses that correct for colour blindness. So enjoy this young lad's amazement. Got you some new sunglasses. Huh? Okay. But why did you make them park there? Because. Did you put them on. Weird. Okay, put them on now. What? Okay. Look at your case and tell me what color that is. Uh. Wait. Are are these my color? Yeah. Oh my gosh. This is red. Oh my gosh! This and that's white. Look, look at the sign up there. What's that? And oh my gosh, that's yellow. Ah, don't go up there. And 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 this is black. And and, and this is white. What color is that car? Oh my gosh, it's kind of colors blue. Mm-hmm. Oh my. Oh. Finally, I can see the colors. Oh, and, and that has a blue outline, kind of like yellow, kind of, kind of. About the come here. These are awesome. Yeah, hold my hand. Oh, come here. My. And look, what color is the bush right there? It's green and yellow and kind of blue and. Oh my. Oh, 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 oh! I better put this back on. And look at these guys over here. Mama, can I wear these to school? Yeah. I want to wear them forever. Here, look. look I'm going to wear these forever, right? Look at these guys. Oh, my gosh. Bob, thank you so much. <laughs> so it's not hard to transfer the wonder of someone who's had their sight recovered, whether it be colored blindness or even more, and apply this to what we're going to hear about today in today's gospel. The story of the man born blind, now healed. So let's pick this up in John chapter 9, verse 1. Chapter 9, verse 1. As he went along, he saw a man born blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man 
or his parents that he was born blind. Now here the disciples express a common misunderstanding of the day. In biblical times, it was thought that illness, especially serious illness or misfortune, was due to some form of sin or wrongdoing. In their thinking, all illnesses were a form of spiritual cause and effect. Now, this thinking is still common in a number of cultures today. It even lingers in New Zealand popular culture with the notion of karma. Now, karma is an Eastern religious view of cause and effect, not only at a personal but a, a cosmic level, so that if you do something nasty, then karma will catch up with you and you'll be punished and it will be some form of trouble or ill health. If you do something good, so this belief goes, then good karma will catch up with you and you will reap a reward. Good karma, bad karma. So this thinking that the disciples are expressing here in John chapter 9 is still around today. You see, the disciples took it for granted that because this man was born blind, somebody must have committed a serious sin. The only debate that they were having among themselves, whether it was the man's sin or the parents who sinned. Notice how Jesus' reply corrects the misconception, and we see this in verse 3. Jesus said, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. So by declaring that the blindness was not due to any sin of the man or the parents, Jesus is undermining and contradicting the misconception that sin is the root of all evil. Now, because of the fall, because of Adam and Eve's disobedience, sin and illness did enter the human race. However, sin did not cause this illness with the man born blind. And we see this affirmed in other parts of the Bible, especially with the story of Job and his friends. Now, though Job had done no wrong at all, his friends assumed that his many calamities, including his ill health, were due to some great sin. So they came and they sat round with Job and they spent all their time trying to help Job identify his sin to confess it and then God would show mercy. And because they did this, and because Job had not sinned, not only did they make Job more and more miserable, but they were severely reprimanded by God. Now let me give you a modern example of this. Uh, both Judy and I have been to counsellors from time to time and found that uh, very helpful. One time Judy started seeing a counsellor but soon stopped. And why was that? Well, it was because this counsellor had only one tool in his toolbox. No matter what problem or concern was raised, the counsellor would spend all his time trying to identify the sin and then get the client to confess the sin. And if the problem still continued, the client hadn't confessed their sin well enough. And that's all. <laughs> and in doing so, this counsellor was no different than Job's friends trying to lay blame for every problem that there's a sin and for every illness. But that's not what the Bible teaches. Sometimes, due to sin, we do have calamities come our way. <laughs> if you choose certain lifestyles that are disagreeing with God's word, then calamity will come your way. However, 
it is very wrong to assume that every illness, especially every major illness, is the result of someone's sin. If we do, we're no different than Job's friends, who were miserable comforters, the counsellor that Judy went to see that time, or indeed the disciples here in chapter 9. Let's have a look at verse 3 again, because not only does verse 3 contradict this misunderstanding, but there's a quite deep truth here. So let me read it again. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. So what does the second part of that verse mean? What does it mean that the works of God may be displayed in him? Well, the general principle is this. No pain or suffering, no illness need be wasted because of the cross. No pain, no illness, no suffering need be wasted because of the cross. It's an opportunity for the works of God to be displayed in us. Now let me unpack this a little, a little bit. Because of Christ's victory over sin and death on the cross, any pain or illness we suffer is an opportunity to point to that victory, either because God heals us from that illness or because we suffer or hold or work through that illness with a Christ-like attitude of faith that God will see us through that the pain we endure need not overcome us because of our faith. We know that either in this world or in the next, pain will be swallowed up in the victory of Jesus Christ. And so, when a Christian is suffering difficulties or even illness and does so with the humility of Christ, pointing to Jesus, saying, I will not despair because I trust in Christ, then the works of God has been displayed in that person. Because of the cross, no pain need be wasted. Now, if we get bitter and twisted and if we are angry with God, then we are wasting the opportunity for us to trust in him through difficult times. But this happens so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Let's have a look at verse 4 and verse 5, moving the story Along. Verse 4, Jesus continues, As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when we can do no work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now here we see in John chapter 9, Jesus developing the theme of night and day, darkness and light. Now darkness is the realm of the world. It's where the works of the devil abound. And darkness tries to overcome the light. However, the day will not be overcome because Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the light who shines into the world and overcomes the world. Now, where have we heard this before? Jesus being the light of the world. Well, we've heard this before right at the beginning of John's Gospel, haven't we? In John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. In him, in Jesus, was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Tremendous passage, isn't it? Jesus is light for all mankind. Jesus is the light of the world. And let's consider this. It's one thing for John, the gospel writer, to say that Jesus is the light of the world. It's also easy for Jesus to stand up and claim to be the light of the world. 
However, such claims, especially these grandiose claims, can easily be dismissed, can't they? We can just say that these are the ravings of a madman or someone who's trying to manipulate people to believe in something that is not true. Unless, of course, Jesus backs up this claim with a miracle. Jesus claims to be the light of the world, and he then goes to back it up with a miracle that's never been seen before. Let's see what this miracle is. Verse 6. After saying this, Jesus uh, spit on the ground, made some mum with saliva, and put it in the man's eyes. Go, he told them, wash in the pool of Siloam. This means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Amazing, isn't it? Man born blind. We can only imagine how he felt and the whole excitement of seeing all those colours and uh, forms and shapes and just making all those connections. Verse 32 tells us that this miracle had never happened before. Verse 32 tells us there'd never been someone born blind. We assume that there were physically no eyes there could now see. Now, Jesus had healed blind people before, but not someone born blind like this man. Though we can imagine how he felt, let's explore what this means. What's the significance of this healing? Well, there's three things. Firstly, this healing backs up Jesus' claim to be the light of the world. This is a claim to divinity, and a claim to be equal with God. As I said, anyone can claim to be the light of the world, but no one in history has ever backed this up with such an amazing miracle, a miracle where someone who was in darkness can now see the light. So that's the first thing about this miracle. It confirms Jesus' claim to be light of the world. Secondly, it's a fulfilling of Old Testament prophecy, in particular, uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. The people walking in the darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And this is what's happened here. Jesus' coming was the coming of the light, and through his ministry and his death and his glorious resurrection, this light shone brightly. But it also shone into this man's life so that he could see. And Isaiah 49, 6 as well, another Old Testament prophet. This is God speaking to the suffering servant in this passage. So it's, it's God speaking to the Messiah who was to come. Chapter 49 of Isaiah, verse 6. I will also make you the light for the Gentiles, that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. Thirdly, that the man was born blind reminds us that we are all born spiritually blind. We're not like kittens. When kittens are born, some of you will know that for the first 7 to 14 days, they're blind. They can't see. But then naturally, because they're being nurtured by their mother, receiving good nutrition, they eventually see. Now that's not the same with us. We're not born spiritually blind, and then as we grow and mature, we naturally see that Jesus is the living God. Not at all. That's not how it works. How it works is that we are all born spiritually blind without the capacity to see all the wonders and the beauty that Christ has done for us. This is reminding us that none of us is clever enough. None of us has the insight, the capability, the cleverness, 
the brightness to see what Jesus has done and to say, I need him as Lord. The only way that we can see the light is if Jesus does a miracle in our lives. We are all born spiritually blind. We need Christ to reach down and open our eyes just like he did for this blind man. We are like the blind leading the blind and leading each other into a ditch unless Christ acts. And so what is our response to this great love? What's our response to having the eyes of our heart opened to the beauty and wonder of Jesus? Well, we can't do better than going back to the man born blind who is now healed. Now, next week, I'm going to pick up on the passage in between when um, Jesus heals and then when he meets him at the end. And in that time, we're going to see that that man is going to be interrogated and hassled, but he sticks up for Jesus. And we're going to look at that next week. We're going to look at the words where he said, there's one thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. But let's go to the end of the passage and see how Jesus picks up. Now, what's happened? Jesus said to the man, go and wash. The man went and washed, and then he went back to his home. So this man hasn't seen Jesus. He's heard him, he's obeyed him, but he actually hasn't seen him. And so we we pick this up here in uh, John chapter 9, verse 35. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. The man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. And our response is the same, isn't it, to the blind man who was now healed. We too were blind, but now we see. We were in spiritual darkness, lost, without hope, but now the eyes of our heart have been opened to the love of Christ. And so how do we respond We respond by believing and worshipping. That is the response for those of us who have been adopted into the kingdom of God as our Heavenly Father's dear children. We believe in Jesus and we worship. And we remember chapter 20, I started this um, series off by by going to uh, the place where John, the gospel writer, tells us why he wrote the gospel. And in John chapter 20, 31, he says, But these signs are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, that by believing you may have life in his name. And just in that chapter, remember doubting Thomas, who moved from doubting to believing. And then what did Thomas do? He worshipped. And this pattern that we see in John 20 is reflected here, where the man received the sign of the healing. He believed because he believed he received eternal life and he worshipped, as do we. For now we come to communion. We who were born blind but now see, we now come to the table. We are invited to Christ's table. Now you may have heard of communion referred to the Eucharist. Eucharist is the Greek word in the New Testament used for thanksgiving. Eucharist means thanksgiving. So communion, we use that word because we are communing. We are in fellowship with our Heavenly Father when we take the bread and the cup and in communion with those around us. But we also come to the table knowing it's called the Eucharist. We come with a heart of thanksgiving because we were blind and now we see. And because we see, we worship and with great joy, 
And with grateful hearts, we take the cup and the bread. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful stories, the gospel message that we've heard today of Jesus healing the man born blind. We thank you that you have broken through into our darkness and we have seen Christ. Help us to come to this table with grateful hearts. Help us to believe, to grow in faith and to worship you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.